If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. It's time for gardening and glad to be joined as usual by our horticulturalist, Alton Nesbitt. Alton, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Uh, Great to talk to you today. You're going to start uh, with uh, chatting about planting spring bulbs. Is it that time already, Alton? Uh, It is, and it's a lovely time of year to plan for the spring, really. Um, And uh, the spring bulbs give such a, a display uh, right through, the, uh, let's say, early spring, right, right into, the, into the summer, really. Um, so there's lots of uh, bulbs to be planted at this time of the year. And I, I love them kind of in drift, you know, so they give a good show of colour um, right through the springtime. Now, again, uh, the snowdrops are probably one of the first things that do come, up, come up into flower, and, and they're magnificent looking as well. And they're quite small little flowers, so they're lovely towards the front of a bed or even um, in, in amongst, um, uh, let's say, in the lawn, which is particularly good. But again, plant five bulbs together um, and, and then uh, about, about a couple of feet apart so that you get good lovely clumps uh, 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 display um, through the early spring. Now, with the snowdrops, they're, they're probably plant good to be planted in, in as much of, and most of the spring bulbs as well, is naturalise them as much as possible. So allow the foliage to die back naturally uh, as much as possible. So if you do have snowdrops in your lawn, or even the thing called um, anemone or muscaria uh, in the lawn. It's good. It's a good idea just to leave the the grass a little bit higher than normally, so that you allow the foliage to die back naturally, and um, so that then all that nutrients and energy gets back into the bulb again. So it gives a great display for next year as well. Again, um, now there's such a variety of bulbs um, in stock now, so that we would have. And which is the lovely the daffodils, the lovely um, uh, the Dutch master daffodil, which is a really large one with the large trumpet, yellow trumpet out of it, which are particularly good. And they're they're fantastic in in larger areas. Now, let's say if you have um, an avenue going out, going up the drive, uh, it's just to plant them at either side of the driveway that uh, makes a great display. Or even have the little small dwarf tetet daffodils, little little um, uh, dwarf daffodils, the multi-headed daffodil, and they're lovely in a rockery because they're they don't go too tall. Um, they have these lovely multi-stems on them and they always stand upright. I always find with the um, larger daffodils, especially if you're in a very exposed site, they tend to get blown over in the wind and, and get damaged that way. But if you, if, you ha- if, you ha- if you live in a very exposed area, go for the more dwarfer type of bulbs. Things like the Tetra daffodils or even the lovely dwarf um, tulips, the red riding hood tulip, which is particularly good. And that's a lovely bright red foliage. But it also has a lovely variegated leaf on the, the, the leaf of the tulip as well, which is particularly nice. Um, other bulbs then, uh, which are quite good then, are the lovely paper whites or even the hyacinths. These are lovely bulbs to have inside the house. And I think always, kind of plant, you can plant those now and then you'll have a magnificent display or scent um, uh, during Christmas time. Uh, because the paper white, the lovely double creamy white flower that comes out of it, but the scent of it is like the, hy- the, the sense of hyacinth. If you had a bowl of those on the whole table, you would just perfume the whole house. That sounds gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it really, really is lovely. And then, of course, everybody knows that the hyacinths, and the hyacinths are particularly good as well, um, and you can get those quite forced, so, so they produce a lovely large flower on them. Now, with any of the bulbs, it's a good idea to keep turning the pot regularly so that it's not going in one direction uh, towards the light, especially in the house. So it's a good idea just to turn mm. them every so often. There's another thing called amaryllis. And so the big amaryllis, they're almost like speakers, these flowers that come out of it. Um, and that's a quite a large bulb that you get um, at this time of the year as well. And they're very, very showy. I mean, you actually can see them growing every day. They, they have this lo- lovely uh, tall spike of a flower that comes up from it. And then these lovely large tubular type flowers 
that come out in it. And they come in a variety of colours as well. You can get almost a bi-colour on them, kind of a, 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 a pink and mm. white in, in, the, in the one flower. I almost think it's lovely for kids, Alton, to watch that growth, isn't it? It's it, just it, it it's is. so well, exciting. Well, it, well, it, well it, it's magical, really. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and see, I, I love things like that, that, that they can grow inside, that um, uh, give good colour and scent. And then just the, 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 the whole thing of turning the pot regularly mm. so that it's growing straight up um, is it's great for kids to watch uh, nature um, and how powerful nature is, sure. really, yeah. uh, and, and beautiful it can be. Uh, the bare root hedging? Oh, yeah, this is a great time of year with bare root um, hedging. And to think about it anyway, because it's still, once the um, leaves start falling off all the um, uh, trees and things like that, once they go into dorm season, it's a good time to start planting your bare root hedging. Now, things like the, the white thorn um, hedging is particularly good if you live in a country area. Um, and it's very good um, as stockproof fencing, really. Um, normally, I plant about seven per meter, kind of do them in a, in a staggered row, so four and three uh, in a staggered row, and that keeps it completely stockproof um, as they grow. When you plant them as well, you get them in widths, almost like um, about, about two foot high widths, and uh, you, what you do is you cut them back to six inches. This, uh, this um, makes them push up a lot better from the very base of it, so there's no gap from the ground up. You know, it, it, it's quite full, full hedge. And whitethorn is particularly nice um, uh, because it has that lovely round top. It makes it as a lovely round top hedge. Um, uh, and as well as that, every so often it's nice to plant a, 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 um, a Paul Scarlet, Crutagus uh, monogyna, Paul Scarlet, which is a lovely uh, red or pink uh, flowering uh, uh, whitethorn. And that's particularly nice between the white flowers of the ordinary white one you see growing uh, wild in the in the hedgerow, and then you have the lovely pink one as well. It's particularly nice. The two contrast quite well together. And again, they're very. It's a very hardy hedge because um, it can grow in very exposed areas as well. Um, and it's quite a vigorous thing. You can't. You couldn't really kill it. It's, it's quite a vigorous thing um, and good strong hedge as well. Other things then. But what that are nice to, to grow is, are the, the evergreen um, hedges. Mm. Things like um, uh, your laurels, of course, or Portuguese laurels is particularly nice. And I like the laurel because it's quite a hardy one. Um, even if it goes minus uh, 30, it still, still will survive. And as well as about, about the laurels as well, they're quite easy to grow because, I mean, even if you prune them back very hard near the ground level, they'll always re-sprout again. Things like um, we used to grow a lot of the, the Grisselinia or the Escalonia, and they get an awful um, uh, hammering with um, the frost, and they're a little bit more tender. They're better growing listen, near the coastal areas, or even a thing called Hebe, um, which is quite nice as well. And they're lovely as a hedge um, uh, around the coast where you don't get the severe frost. Um, other things that, which, are, which are particularly good are the holly hedges. I love holly, uh, particularly at this time of the year. You see the massive red berries starting to grow on them. Um, uh, and uh, they're, that's very good for the, the wildlife as well, of course. Or even the yew hedge is particularly good. Yew is a lovely dense hedge, very, very um, uh, compact in habit and, and very full. You wouldn't actually see through it at all. Um, it's quite slow growing, but once, once it's uh, established, it's really magnificent looking type of hedge. Now, with yew, of course, it is um, poisonous. So it's mm. important to ha- have those in, 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 in the boundary or whatever, just to, to give good, good privacy in that but um, not where there's stock or anything like that. Um, but again, a fantastic um, evergreen hedge. Um, there's other other um, types of uh, bare root hedging that you can get as well. It's, it's a thing called Ioannimus europaeus, which is um, um, a lovely natural um, type of uh, tree. It's a witch hazel, but has lovely pink berries at this time of the year. Uh, very unusual, um, kind of a pink brack on, on, on the, the, the berry, which is particularly good, and lovely autumn colour. And this time of year, the magnificent autumn colour from the, the Euonymus Europaeus 
is particularly good in a naturalised hedge as well. But again, the fruits, it's like a fruit of a poisonous tree. Um, the, the, the fruits of it are quite poisonous, so, so be, be wary of that, that as well. In mind. I'm glad you're talking about hedging because a number of our questions today, in fact, uh, were about hedging. Um, can you deal with some of the other questions into us, uh, Alton? I've grown two apple trees, some seed. They're quite tall. Should I put them into a larger pot? Or when can I sow them into the ground? Yeah, well, really growing um, apples from seed, they don't really come true to type. Um, and what I mean by that, uh, it, generally it will be um, more of a, a crab apple than anything else that, that will form. See, most apple trees are grafted or budded, um, and, and um, they're, 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 they're grafted onto a rootstock that gives it much more vigour um, uh, and uh, so that you get the, the, the variety that you want, really, and, and, and the cropping that you want as well. But generally, um, you can... Uh, uh, transplant them at this time of the year um, coming into the autumn time, the ideal time to do it. Um, water it well after transplanting and uh, you, what you'll have is, is not a true type of, of the apple that you, you're, you harvest from. It will it be a, a lot weaker um, and uh, it, it won't form uh, as, as much of a crop as, as, as you want. So really the best uh, apple trees to get are, are the ones that are grafted um, uh, at the base of, on a, onto a rootstock. Um, they're much, much, much better um, uh, cropping. And um, again, with apple trees, it is a good idea is to have um, an ornamental crab apple, something like um, John Downey or Golden Hornet, um, Malices, um, and they're they're quite good to cross pollinate most mm. apple trees as well. Um, very, very lovely to to grow. Um, uh, I think fruit in a garden. Um, because it's, it's, we're so bountiful this year. Um, uh, I was collecting apples myself, I got bagged loads of it, um, and there's nothing nicer than going into the orchard and collecting um, loads of apples or fruit or pears as well um, at this time of the year. For sure, and speaking of apple trees, somebody else says, I've inherited two apple trees and I haven't a clue uh, about them, so I'm not sure in what way they've inherited uh, the two apple trees, but I suppose what they're asking is looking after them, I suppose, Alton. Yeah, yeah, really with um, lots of... Now, once you've harvested all the fruit, um, uh, it, it's, uh, you get an awful lot of long vegetative growth on the top of the tree. So it's very important. We don't really want any vegetative growth. What we want is a lot of fruit spurs. So therefore, it will produce loads of flowers and, and, and therefore lots of fruit. So try and get rid of all that long vegetative growth that's on the top of the tree. So cut them back to about four buds to the main stem. This will force it to produce these lovely fruit spurs. Uh, on, on the, the stumps of the, of, of the tree. And that will, will um, create a lot more flowers for you. Um, now, which fruit trees as well, once they've gone completely dormant in the next couple of months, is to spray them with a thing called winter wash. That will get rid of any um, algae or lichen or moss that's on the tree. Keeps it lovely and clean looking as well. And also feed your, your fruit trees now with a, a thing called sulfate or potash at the base of the trees. This is, encourages it to produce um, more flowers and, and therefore lots more fruit as well. And that makes it a lot healthier looking as well. Um, now, which, if, if the tree has any canker on it, these kind of like are almost like knots of, of um, it's almost like a cancer that attacks the tree, it's cut out as much of that as possible and use a thing called Arbex heel and seal paint onto the wounds as well so that the, the canker doesn't spread any further into the tree and keeps it lovely and clean. Um, most trees, are, uh, most fruit trees are quite easy to grow really. It's just to, to um, do that type of thing, keep, keep it clean and, and cut off any dead or damaged wood off it um, and uh, give it a good feed of sulfur potash just to, to, to force to produce loads of fruit for you. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, the question needs to go generally. Geraldine was on to us and she says, uh, I have uh, white lilies in a container. I want to transfer them into the ground. They are very healthy looking, just leaves now. Is it okay to transfer them from the pot to a place in the garden? And where is the best location for them? You can. And really with the lilies, it's good to put about three bulbs together uh, when you're transplanting them. Now, uh, on her, on the stem of the lily, um, where the foliage is, sometimes you get these things called bulbils. These are little little bulbs that are forming on the axle of the leaves, and so so save all of them as well and transplant them uh, as well. Or even at the, the parent bulb, you will find these smaller bulbs just around the base of, the, of the, the the bulb itself is to is to transplant them as well, so that you get lots more uh, throughout the garden. Um, lilies are quite easy to grow. Again, plant, plant two together. Only plant them uh, twice the depth of the bulb itself. Um, cover over with a nice loamy compost. And make sure that there's um, almost like sand or gravel just at the very base of the bulb when you're planting it. They don't like uh, wet ground um, or even waterlogging. So allow, allow good drainage at the base of the lilies. Um, that, that's the main thing with them. And always plant them in full sun. Somewhere where it's nice and bright and sunny because uh, lilies can grow quite tall. Um, and then once the flowers on them are, are quite big as well, uh, and the scent of them is, is is magnificent. Sometimes I always put a kind of a, a herbaceous perennial uh, stand over them as they're growing up, so that they they give them support. Um, because once the weight of the flowers on them, it tends to, to topple them over if you get a windy day or something like that. So yeah, give them support um, as they're, as they're growing. Uh, another listener has a spider plant, but uh, the leaves are going brown. Uh, wondering, can you bring it back to normal? Yeah, the, the chlorophyte and pictons are the lovely spider plants and you often get little little plant plantlets coming out from it. And sometimes if they're in full sun, they'll get scorched at the tips of the foliage. So it's important to have them kind of in an area where they're not in direct sunlight. Um, now, feed them with a little, just a little, two drops of the, the baby biofeed into, into the saucer of the spider plant um, and that will, will, will revive it. Remove any uh, damaged foliage really um, off the spider plant because it's quite a vigorous plant. It grows quite quite easily. Um, so again, just pinch off any, any of the dead or damaged foliage. That will just encourage much healthier foliage coming in from the centre of it and then to, to, to almost um, cascade out over the side of the, the, the container. Um, spider plants are probably, probably a, quite a nice plant to have on a, a, a top shelf or something like that because it lo- has those lovely little plantlets that, that hang down from it. Just a final one, if you would. My cheese plant has a black spot on it and I'm wondering what I can do where that is concerned. What, a cheese plant, just, just tell yeah, us about the, that. The, the, yeah, the, the Chefleria's or, or uh, the, the cheese plant, they, they sometimes... Um, we'll get um, a rust on the, on onto the foliage of it. Um, a, a good feed to do is a, a liquid seaweed feed for them, um, and that gives it um, um, a much healthier foliage, lovely dark green foliage um, on them. Now they're quite a vigorous thing, really. The, the, the cheese plants, the Swiss cheese plants, they're actually a climber, if anything. So um, really, have almost like a, a, a pole for them to climb up on. And you train them, train them up along, and they can go up and over the arch of, of the window or, or something like that. They're, they're, they're particularly nice. Um, again, feed them with a liquid seaweed feed is the best thing for the Swiss cheese. 
All right. Alton, always a pleasure and happy gardening. Thank you very much indeed. That's our horticulturalist, uh, Alton Nesbitt, there with us uh, today. Apologies if we didn't get to your question, but we will stack them up and we'll bring them to Alton next time round. Now, we had the most marvellous evening at the lovely Anna Hotel in Thurles uh, last evening. Uh, the Tip FM Best of Tip Awards. It was a fantastic night. It was very exciting and there was mighty crack uh, to be had there as well. And Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel during the time tunnel, during the lunchtime show today. He will bring you some audio from uh, last night where he was chatting with uh, some of uh, the people involved. Well, it was a great night and thanks to everybody who turned out. Uh, we had some mighty crack altogether. And uh, that's it for me. Ali produced and I'll talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.